listening to the Film Monsters Podcast with me and Ray. Welcome to a, a new year, new podcast. Well, not really a new podcast. It's the Film Monsters Podcast, and I'm Nate. And this is New Year, New Me Ray. New Year, New Me Ray. And we're back today to talk about movies again, unless we decide that we're going to change uh, change this podcast to talking about uh, our other favorite subject matter, which is just Adam Sandler movies. That's all the podcast is going to be all year, is us talking about Mr. Adam Sandler. You, you you mean you weren't serious about that? <laughs> no, I, I well, what was I being serious about it? I don't know if we'll ever know. Well, I did want to bring this up with you before the podcast started because I thought it would be fun to talk about because it ties into something that we discussed in a previous episode, but I watched the uh, Prime Video movie from director uh, Nikadu Jusu that is going to direct the new uh, Night of the Living Dead reboot that we discussed. I oh, how her, is that? I watched her debut film, Nanny. Uh, it was really good. It's not a perfect movie. Uh, there's some things that it suffers from, but I definitely wanted to tell you about it because I know like how much the Night of the Living Dead property means to you and how excited you probably are that any more stuff is being made about it. But it's a pretty simple story. It's about a woman who's from Senegal, and she comes to the United States, and she starts working as a nanny for these this wealthy white couple in Manhattan. And their daughter is super picky about food. She never wants to eat. And as soon as she gets there, the daughter's mood completely changes. She gets happier. She's more excited with life. And at the same time, her son is in Senegal with her sister. And so she's trying to get enough money to bring her son back into the United States. And while the movie is taking place, all this really surreal horrifying stuff starts happening to her that is kind of expressive of the inner turmoil of what black people that are immigrants that come to the United States have to deal with in order to not only like gain citizenship, but to build up enough money to create the quote unquote American dream for their own families. And it was shot so beautifully. The performances were really great. I think that it gets a little caught up in its subject matter to where some of the scenes start to feel a little repetitive. But by the end of the movie, it had gripped me enough to where I was like, damn, I'm really excited to see what this director makes next and knowing how good the dialogue was and the character dynamics were in the movie. I am very excited. I think that she's going to bring something really awesome to the table with that property. That's awesome. That's good to hear. I feel like um, a lot of these directors, I'm happy that they're taking on better, bigger projects and stuff for that because I feel like, you know, we're coming to an age where as much as I love these people, like your Villeneuve's, your um, Christopher Nolan's, you know, all of these directors are eventually going to start moving to bigger and better things. So we need up and coming new indie directors. We need... You know, I would even argue that, like, definitely Christopher Nolan, but Denis Villeneuve has joined the that pantheon of, like, the great new directors. So we need all these up-and-coming, you know, indie directors, you know, to, to join us. I would argue that the Daniels are starting to enter that group of, like, you know, the, the name directors. They've only made two movies. <laughs> yeah, so, but what I'm getting at is, like, I'm excited to see, like, newer directors start to 
come to fruition because, you know, eventually we're going to need new names to come in. So I'm excited for that for sure. Today on my list, we're going to talk about a new director that I'm so excited for their movie coming out this year. But I will say when you're talking about that, I was really excited. I watched Steven Spielberg's uh, The Fablemans recently, and it really felt like a return to form for Steven Spielberg. That sounds awesome. He, like, you could tell he was so passionate about the project. You get probably one of the greatest performances of the year from Michelle Williams. Just amazing. Paul Dano's great in it. And Seth Rogen. Talk about a guy who's really come around in his career that whenever he gives dramatic performances, he really takes me by surprise. And he was fantastic in this movie. What else has he done that's like serious? Uh, So it's a little bit more of a comedy, but that uh, 50-50 movie that he was in with Joseph Gordon-Levitt was a little bit more serious for him. I know he was in one of the Steve Jobs movies. One of the, like, 10,000 that we got? Yeah, I don't remember if it was... I think it wasn't the one with Ashton Kutcher. It was the one with Michael Fassbender. So the good one from what I heard? I don't typically watch biopics, so I don't know. But I really like Seth Rogen. I thought it was great to see him in that. And all the performances in it are great. And it's a Spielberg movie that made me feel the way that, like, E.T. and a lot of the earlier movies in his career made me feel. Very heart, like, heart, like, my heart strings were pulled at. There were some really intense, dramatic moments that were, you know, really brutal and i don't know how much of it is really about his life i know it's semi-autobiographical but if he went through some of the stuff that he conveys when he was in high school dude went through some shit well i feel like that's uh that's an i'm glad that we're moving away from this in you know 2023 but i feel like growing up like during the especially his era but even even like our era that we grew up in it's like being the creative artistic person was not the cool thing to do. Well, not to mention, uh, according to the movie, his dad was like a big tech guy who eventually ended up getting a job with um, uh, IBM. And so most of the movie is them kind of like moving all over the place and having to deal with that. Well, they end up in this place in California where people are like horribly racist towards Jewish people. And some of the stuff that happens to him in high school, it was just really rough to watch. So it's I, I think it's a movie that you'll really get a lot out of. I think you'll really appreciate it. Uh, it's Spielberg Spielberg at the top of his game, which is always exciting to see. Spielberg has always been like if if when you watch a Spielberg movie like you you'll at least be entertained. If not so he 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 is a good director. He I haven't I haven't seen a movie that I didn't like. Yeah, there's some movies that I've seen that maybe weren't as good, but I haven't seen a movie that I didn't like. Yeah, that's true. I like I I feel like he's one of those directors that over the past couple of years I feel like his movies have kind of fit into a specific formula uh where like he's done a lot more like historical drama pieces and things of that nature comparatively to a lot of his more uh, unique and original ideas, which is the things I love the most about Spielberg. But that's not to take away from the fact that I still think the guy's a genius. So before before we move on to our topic, I wanted to ask you like an impromptu question. You, you can always ask me impromptu questions. Those are some of my most uh, fun things we get to do on this. So, you know, as you've been watching, I, I've been lacking severely, but as you've been watching some of these, some, some movies to kind of play catch up with 2022, is there one or two that you just like, just discovered that you're like, whoa, that flew under my radar. 
Um, I want to check that out. As far as like movies I haven't seen yet, I don't really think there's one that like I feel like I've missed other than like movies like Tar and Pinocchio and stuff I told you I wanted to watch. But I will say that thankfully, due to your recommendation, I loved Vesper. And that makes me so happy. Yeah, I thought Vesper was fantastic. I thought that the, like, I know you said that it was formulaic, and I agree there are elements of the story that are formulaic, but I think as far as what you and I look for in movies as, like, originality and concept and production design and the score to the movie was amazing, all the performances were fantastic, like, it really was a movie that took me by surprise. I never would have thought I would have liked it as much as I did, and then I know we joked about it on the podcast beforehand, but I loved the new Puss in Boots. <laughs> I, lo- I loved it, I did not expect to love it, uh, but it was amazing, and it's a movie that I probably would have never gone and seen other I had tickets to see Megan and I got stuck in horrible traffic and ended up being like 35 minutes late. I didn't know anything about it, but I went in and watched it and it was wonderful. It's definitely the type of animated movie we like that balances those adult themes with things that can also resonate with kids. Uh, and the animation is beautiful. It's like some of my favorite animation from last year. That's awesome. I'll have to add that to the list. For sure. I'm I'm really uh, glad that I watched that. And I feel like there's a lot of times that that happens that I'll be lucky enough to watch a movie that's kind of slept on like that. Like a movie I didn't mention in my honorable mentions, but uh, George Miller's 3,000 Years of Longing that came out last year. That was another movie that was way slept on. Not enough people saw that. And I know everybody loves Fury Road, but... Uh, 3,000 Years of Longing was such a beautiful character drama and Tilda Swinton and Idris Elba were amazing in it. Well, cool. You keep just adding to my list. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what, I, that's what I hope to do. I hope to just keep adding onto your list to the point where you're like, dude, Nate, you gotta slow down, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is just, this is too much. But I have to say, I am really excited about our episode today. I feel like this isn't something we always get to do, but like, Talking about movies we haven't seen yet is a fun thing to me. I love hype getting ourselves hyped up because there's nothing that you and I love more than movies and music. And I think just like when one of the artists that we love says like, hey, I'm about to release a new album or anything of that nature, we want to get ourselves as hyped up as possible. So even talking about these movies with you today, I just can't wait. I'm so excited. Oh, me too. Uh, I also want to wanna issue a challenge. Yeah, what's your challenge? Um, and we might as well kick things off this way. Um, one of the movies that I was going to bring up, and I'm sure you were going to bring up too, is Bo is Afraid, right? A hundred percent. I was going to bring that up, yes. <laughs> so so let's talk about it first, because I want to issue a challenge to you about this movie. But let's talk about it first, and then we can lead up to the, to the challenge I want to issue. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that the first thing we can say is that there's probably nothing you and I are more excited about than one of our favorite new directors working with, I would say, one of you and I's favorite actors of all time. Oh, yeah. No, it's going to be insane. And we both know that Ari Aster is not by any means like a conventional director. 
Not at all. And I feel like because he's so early in his career, he's not tied down to one genre either. Like, I think I, a lot of people know him for horror, but I think in both Midsommar and Hereditary, he's been able to incorporate elements of of comedy in his movies too. And that makes me really excited because knowing Joaquin Phoenix, I don't feel like this movie is going to be as on the nose or as like attached to one genre as his previous two movies have been. Although I love them both. Yeah. Well, and there's been um, some, t every time that I recommend, especially her um, hereditary, when I recommend hereditary, a lot of people are like, Oh, isn't that a scary movie? I was like, that is a family drama up until the last 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes a straightforward horror movie. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like one that unsettled me. But one of the things that I love about Ari Aster is one of the reasons why I think you and I both love movies in general anyway is that he takes real life trauma and real life horror and adds those supernatural elements into it to elevate that horror. Oh, yeah. To make you scared. And I, that's something I really appreciate because one of the things about horror as a whole, and I think why we connect to it is you and I have both lived lives that we've dealt with, you know, mental illness, depression, anxiety. We've both been through our fair share of shit in life. And I think watching movies that kind of convey those things to an extreme sense really help resonate with you that, Hey, there's other people that have been there and experienced the things I have. And I feel that way every time I watch an Ari Aster movie. Yeah, uh, Well, he always, like you say, he taps on that. And I feel like, Obviously, I don't know how the man works, but I feel like Ari Aster takes a concept that's very relatable to just any person and then adds the genre. I feel like for his movies that I, that, you know, that I've seen, I feel like at its core, he has an idea, he has a message he wants to convey. And then he adds the genre. Yes, that's uh, that's very similar to, I actually watched an interview a few years ago with uh, Edgar Wright. And when Edgar Wright was with uh, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost and coming up with the idea for the Cornetto trilogy, they had no idea what the movies were going to, like the subject matter were going to be. They wrote the character dynamics and the, the, the things about the characters and then said, hey, let's make this about zombies. That's funny, but that's awesome. Like, yeah, so, so he doesn't go into it with that either. He's very much... Uh, He's very much doing it from a neutral perspective. And if Ari Aster's doing it that way, props to him. What a cool thing. Yeah, I. it wouldn't surprise me too because there is so much depth to what he's trying to say that transcends the genre of the movie. Oh, 100%. I completely agree. Um, I'm very... Uh, very excited for this movie. I feel like, you know, anytime A24 does a collaboration with one of the directors that we love, you and I both get hyped out of our minds for it. And so this is definitely one that I, you know, I'm going to want to be there opening weekend. So having said that, are you ready for the challenge I want to issue? I'm ready for the challenge you want to issue. You can do it with Bo is Afraid, or you can do it with any of the movies we talk about. And I want to challenge the listeners, too. Whoever's listening, I want to extend this challenge for anybody listening. Whether it be Bo is Afraid or whatever other movie you choose, I want us to pick a movie and go completely blind. I'm talking about avoid um, press releases on it, avoid reviews, avoid trailers, if at all possible. 
and just go watch a movie completely blind. I absolutely love that idea because there's so many times. Uh, actually, uh, Jess has been my inspiration for that. Uh, Jess lately, whenever she's been watching a movie, like even if it's something, cause you know, I'm really between doing YouTube and TikTok and doing this podcast with you, I'm really embedded in that community. So like I see a lot of things and I see a lot of press releases and stuff and Jess is like, I'll go and she'll say, okay, give me like a five second snippet of what it's about. And I'll tell her and she'll be like, okay, that's all I want to know. I don't want to know anything else. And I think that's the best way to go about it. Well, um, there are two examples where I did that. And I didn't do it completely blind. But, like, for example, I saw when Last Night in Soho came out, regardless of how people feel about that movie, I saw the teaser trailer where you see, um, uh, what's her name? Um, Thomas and McKenzie. Yeah, Thomas and McKenzie. When you see her crawling on the floor and you see all the hands coming to grab her. Mm-hmm. And it was just like Last Night in Soho. And that's literally the only trailer I saw. So when I went and watched Last Night in Soho, somebody asked me, he's like, oh, what's that movie about? I was like, I don't know. I'm going to find out right now. And that is the best. Well, and especially with someone like Edgar Wright. I feel like with Edgar Wright, you pretty much know, like, you show up to something Edgar Wright makes, you're probably going to like it. And that's why and I kind of want to do it. With, and that's kind of why like I want to do it. Yeah. If people didn't like Last Night in Soho, there's something wrong with you. Well, and like, that's, that's, <laughs> that's why I'm proposing it for Bo is Afraid, because I trust Ari Aster and I trust Joaquin Phoenix. A hundred percent, I do too. Uh, I, the only thing that I have seen of that movie is the new poster that came out with him and all the different makeup. Yeah, that's it. I was going to suggest a, a different movie, but how many trailers have dropped this week alone, you know? <laughs> Ex- exactly. It becomes... Uh, it becomes a little difficult when a million trailers come out at the same time. Yeah. But uh, I wanted to I wanted to start out mine, which you'll be surprised because everybody's like, oh, Nate's going to bring up some like, obscure indie movie first. Well, you know what? I'm not. I'm going to bring up a movie that I think a lot of people are going to be surprised that I'm as excited for as I am. Fast and, and the Ray, Furious 10? No, I don't give a shit about that movie. <laughs> uh, but but I know you are probably equally as excited as me to see this. I can't fucking wait for the new Indiana Jones. Really? I don't think I have ever made it as apparent as I have as how much I love Indiana Jones. A lot of that has to do with the bond that I have with my brother and the way that we have been with those movies over the years. I love the original trilogy. I think that Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, while it is not a perfect movie, is fun. It's stupid and fun and entertaining. And I'm really excited for this one, especially because if you put Mads Mikkelsen in as a villain, it's going to be a good movie. I just have a feeling. Yeah, Mads Mikkelsen is... Everything he does is great. He, he's just so talented, and I also, I love the TV show uh, Fleabag, so uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is going to play his, like, sidekick in the movie, and I can't wait to see that. Uh, really excited about that one. And obviously, you know, Harrison Ford's getting a little older. The fact that he's able to do any of these stunts, like, whatsoever is pretty wild, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't take away from the fact that I'm going to be there opening weekend and i hope that it's good because i it, it's something i if they're gonna pass the baton which 
I feel like they probably are going to do that. It'll be interesting to see what direction they go with it. And I don't know how, I don't know what your thoughts are on the Indiana Jones series, but. Um, I like them. Um, Indiana Jones to me is kind of like, um, I have the same relationship with Indiana Jones as I have with Star Wars. I didn't, I didn't grow up with them. Um, I watched them as now that I'm older and I liked them. They were great. Um, in fact, even Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, it's my least favorite of the four, but it was still fine. It was still entertaining. You know what my favorite one is? Is it Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? <laughs> no. Temple of Doom is my favorite. That's my favorite, too. It's the most fun. I feel like it is the most entertaining of all of the movies in that franchise. I think Harrison Ford has the most fun in that movie. And it's just one that every time I rewatch it, I love it even more. So I'm really excited for it. I don't really have much else to say about it because it's Indiana Jones and everybody talks about it. But like, I can't wait. And I wanted to uh, surprise some people because I'm pretty sure that nobody thought that that was going to be the first movie that I brought up. I thought you were going to say it was going to be the new Transformers. Well, you, how do you know me so well? Like, how <laughs> well, how are you in my mind? Well, because we had discussed that our next episode was going to be about ranking the Transformers movies. Oh, that's what we're doing. We're ranking every Transformers movie. I can't wait. So excited. <laughs> <laughs> so what's another movie you're excited for for the year since I brought up uh, Indiana Jones? Well, while we're talking about big budget movies, you know me, you, you know, um, despite criticism, I always enjoy a Christopher Nolan movie. I always anticipate a Christopher Nolan movie. So I, I love Killian Murphy. So of course I'm excited for Oppenheimer. Do you think that it's that... Uh... Christopher Nolan came up with this idea because he's like, I love the way that Killian Murphy looks in bright sunlight after sunshine. I just want to see him lit in glorious bright light. <laughs> Look, I think it's shot in black and white. So. Well, the, have you not seen the trailer yet? Um, I've seen the teaser. Yeah, it had like the, the, the fiery orange color amidst the black and white. Oh, no, I haven't seen that one. I've only seen the teaser. Yeah, so there. I'm wondering if he'll incorporate that uh, that way. But um, I try. I try to. I try to avoid the trailers, especially when it's someone that I like. Like I know I'm gonna go watch a Christopher Nolan movie, so I don't need a trailer. Um, so typically, I I will avoid trailers. But so yeah, I haven't seen this one yet. Yeah, I am uh, very very excited. Um, to watch this movie despite anything I've ever said about uh, Christopher Nolan in the past. I'm still excited to watch this movie. Well, the, the thing about, I think where Christopher Nolan has fallen short previously is um, on the suspended disbelief thing when he writes movies and you have to suspend this belief a little too much. Um, and I feel like because Oppenheimer is more of like a, a it essentially a biopic, maybe not entirely a biopic, but it's more of a character piece. I am interested to see how, if he's going to focus more on like this character in the bomb or if he's going to focus on the character himself because it'll be really interesting to see. I would like to see Christopher Nolan put care into the characters because I do agree with that criticism that He's all about the special effects and the practical, um, the practical things that he does, and the cool light, shiny explosions. And he doesn't put enough care to the to the characters, which I want. That I want to see something with that he treats the characters with more care. I definitely want to see that. 
which is disappointing because early in his career, he did have some incredible character moments. I mean, you look at a film like Memento or even like The Prestige where the characters were really the forefront of those movies. And then I feel like he started to get more acclaimed. And now he's like, I can make these large visual spectacles. But then a lot of times that pulls away from the character development. Like even even Inception, I wish Leo DiCaprio's character was more fleshed out. Yeah, and I'm hoping that he kind of goes back to that with Oppenheimer because this is supposedly, supposedly this is about the character so i'm hoping that we get to see more character yes i 100 percent agree with you i really hope that we get a little bit more character out of it but it is one i'm gonna watch i'm really excited to see it i hope that it's uh i hope that it's great yeah me too well the next movie i want to bring up is a movie that i guarantee that you are equally as excited to see as i am and this is we were talking ray was talking at the beginning of uh of the episode about you know new directors and be excited about new directors and one of i would say ray and i's favorite new directors because i know he loved the first movie as much as i did is mr brandon cronenberg and i cannot wait for infinity pool infinity pool looks i haven't seen the trailer again I, like i said i try to avoid trailers if it's something that i know i'm gonna go watch but i mean mia goth has had an incredible last year she has cemented herself as as, dare I say, a scream queen now? Yes, 100%. And also, Mr. Alexander Skarsgård. Who, you know, I mean, what what a hunk on yeah, uh, sure. on the Northman. <laughs> and I, I'm also really excited for it, too, because I know you're a huge soundtrack guy, Ray. Are you familiar with Tim Hecker? Tim Hecker. Um, not off the top of my head. So Tim Hecker makes this really wild, ambient electronic music that is beautiful i actually like saw a review for one of his albums and i was like i want to listen to this so i dove into it it is so surreal and strange and otherworldly and that is who he got to score this film which makes me really excited for hearing tim's other music where this is gonna go i feel like it's gonna be a wild experience yeah because i'm looking at his filmography of the films because he has scored a few films already and i don't I don't recognize a single film. Yeah, so his, um, the album that I listened to was called, I gotta pull it up now so that I can tell you so I don't feel like a dummy. It's called Dropped Pianos. It came out in 2011, and the albums are just called like Sketch 1 through Sketch 9, the songs are, and they are just like phenomenal. Like the way that the man crafts music is just unbelievable. Um, he, like, he appears on a lot of records. I know he works with a lot of people. So I'm really looking forward to however this turns out. I'm hoping that it's uh, amazing. Obviously, knowing Brandon Cronenberg, it's probably going to be very violent, which I'm hopeful for. <laughs> um, but yeah, I can't wait to see Infinity Pool. I'm excited for that, too. I'm excited to see Infinity Pool and, you know, some of the the stuff that cuz i mean possession or possessor was such a good like smart it was like violent it was gritty but it was also so smart so cerebral the way how he kind of built the characters in that film so i know that he has the chops to make some really like inventive and 
otherworldly type films. Yeah, and also uh, that movie really grew my appreciation more for Andrea Riseborough, who I think does not get enough love. Not at all. Like, she was phenomenal in that. Obviously, I've spoken really highly on um, Christopher Abbott on our podcast. I think that, you know, Christopher Abbott is absolutely incredible as an actor. So I think having an actress like Mia Goth and someone like Skarsgård in this movie, it's going to be amazing. Yeah, I'm I'm excited um, for it as well. Yeah, so uh, what's next on your list? Um, Well, you know, we might as well get it out of the way because we all saw the trailer. We all saw the trailer, and I'm excited. April is going to be a loaded, a loaded month because I am excited for Evil Dead Rise. Uh, <laughs> excitement? I don't even think is the right word. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think I can express to people like when I say on this podcast and to Ray that Evil Dead Two is my favorite horror film of all time and one of my favorite films of all time. I love everything about the Evil Dead, and as soon as I watched this trailer. The first thing that went through my head is I was like, holy shit, what a cool concept to make something so scary that it's a mom coming after her kids. Yeah. Well, and then the the thing about it, too, is that I like that they're not because, you know, we, we've seen the Deadites. The Deadites always look especially because I love the, the TV show as well. Um, but they made the Deadites like very like comical and disgusting. I feel like now that Evil Dead is taking more of a serious approach. The Deadites are way, way more eerie to look at. Yes, that scene in the trailer where uh, the kid is looking out the, the peephole of the door and the mom... I was like, this is Evil Dead. Like, this oh is what gosh. I want. And I love that it hasn't lost its dark humor. You can see it in the trailer. Like, no matter who's working on these Evil Dead movies, which I think it really helps that the original producers are still working on it because they worked on the uh, Evil Dead remake and they did a phenomenal job with it. And this movie, it just watching the trailer, it felt like an Evil Dead movie. Yeah, for sure. And I, I also love that like they're kind of sticking to the same formula as the 2013 Evil Dead, that it's more of like, a, I don't know, it, like darker grittier um i also love that this movie got pushed back because this deserves to be seen on the big screen not just on the hbo max yeah and the other thing too is like nobody's gonna be sam raimi so trying to do it like sam raimi would not be the way to go about it and that's what i loved about the fetty alvarez one is that you could feel hints of that humor that sam raimi has in his but it was its own unique thing well and i also like that um you know it's still getting because i know a lot of people care about this stuff which it's dumb that we do but at the, at the same time like it is what it is that it's getting pushed from bruce campbell himself like he himself is pushing this movie because he wants and and that's something that i love about the evil dead world is that you know sam raimi and bruce campbell aren't being like this is our property leave, leave it alone it's like they're very much pushing new characters and new actors and new directors and new writers to take on this beloved franchise and to be like, this franchise can still have life beyond us. And I love that they are so on board with that. I agree. And I think one of the things too, and why Bruce Campbell is so uh, excited about it and wants to push for it so much is because I think he knows his career wouldn't really exist without the evil dead. Yeah. That, that is one like qualm that I usually have with actors. Um, like, you have, like, for example, Harrison Ford, who, you know, craps on Han Solo, 
And I'm like, I get it. You want to be known for something else, but also your career wouldn't exist without these iconic characters. I think it's funny that he hates Han Solo so much, but that he loves Indiana Jones. Yeah, I know. That is weird because it's essentially the same character except with a vest. Completely agree. I love him. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trashing Han Solo. Or Indi- I love both characters, but I do think it's interesting that he hates on the character that made him the household name he is. Part of me wonders if it's just the experience that he had uh, on on set with George Lucas. But hey, he came back and did the rest of them. Yeah, well, and then that's the thing with Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi, that they are... They're still behind. I mean, they're still cranking money for them. I mean, they're the executive producers. So, you know, they still have love for the franchise. And I do love that they... And I saw the on the special features of the Evil Dead 2013, they were interviewing Bruce Campbell. And he talks about how he's getting too old to be getting bathed in blood every day. And he's also like, you're never going... Well, when Fetty Alvarez said this, Fetty Alvarez was like, you're never going... You're not going to bring ash like you can't recreate ash so what so why exactly you need to do something so why try and that's where evil dead succeeded they kept the spirit of the franchise but breathing new characters i also like that it's not like an evil dead 2013 sequel that it's not mia it's another set of characters because now the evil dead world can be its own independent stories that all revolve around the Necronomicon. And I am so excited for that concept. I'm also glad they've left the cabin in the woods. Yeah. It's, it's do something new, do something new. And I mean, I was a little weirded out when they said that it was going to take place in the city, but I'm now, now I'm like, Oh man, like imagine releasing that into a city. And, but it from the trailer, at least, it looks like it's still going to be a pretty claustrophobic movie. It looks very contained, which I'm glad about. Like, I think putting it in the city is cool, but I think if you got to where it's like a epidemic of, of evil creatures running throughout the city, then it would turn too much like a zombie movie. And I don't think that's ever what Evil Dead wanted to be. As much as you like can compare the Deadites to zombies, I feel like it's always been its own thing. And so putting it in the city but keeping it contained, I think, is a good approach. Yeah. So I'm excited. I'm really excited for Evil Dead Rise. I can't wait for it either. Well, I'll transition into my next movie, which will make you laugh. Uh, But the reason why I brought this up is because I just brought up Mr. Brandon Cronenberg. And I think it's really cool that for the first time this year, David Cronenberg's daughter is going to be releasing a movie. Miss... Caitlin Cronenberg, and that is the movie Humane. Uh, I think you mentioned this briefly at one point, but I don't know much about it. So I'll read you the description. It says, In the wake of an environmental collapse that has forced humanity to shed 20% of its population, a family dinner erupts into chaos when a father's plan to enlist in the government's new euthanasia program goes horribly awry. And it stars Jay Baruchel. Interesting. Yeah, uh, I'm going to say this right now. I know we've never seen anything from Caitlin Cronenberg, but I have a feeling that she's going to take in her family's footsteps because that plot sounds wild. Yeah, no, and uh, that sounds wild. And then she has, like, I know that everybody wants to live beyond their parents' name, but, like, between Brendan and David, she has to have some form of influence from them. Yes, completely agree. I feel like that that it like if you're in that family and you've seen the way movies are you you probably are like I want to be my own voice I want to do my own thing but I think at the same time like it's hard to completely turn your back on it. 
Yeah, no, it's it's hard. So I'm excited, um, especially because that sounds like a very Cronenbergian. I feel like that's going to become a thing soon. Um, concept. Oh, for sure. And like I said, I mean, you give me all the Cronenberg content you want, and I'm gonna watch it because if there's one thing everyone knows about Ray and I out there, it's we like weird shit. So yeah, uh, not yes, putting it mildly. I, I don't have much more to say about it because I don't know much more about it. But I, I, but I'm very excited to see it. Well, if you don't mind, there is uh, there's another one that I wanted to bring up, and um, this movie is another movie that I don't know much about, um, but I think it's worth bringing it up because, um, as people know, we are fans of um, supporting small up and coming directors, and we want we like you said it perfectly on the last on the last episode. We are never actively rooting against things. We are excited to see other voices come out. Um, so I am really excited because I feel like we've all been there. We all started in his same shoes. Uh, and I just can't you know, help but to praise Mr. Chris Stuckman for his directorial debut, Shelby Oaks. I, I really quickly just want to say that I commend Chris for one thing, and that is... He has been in this game for a long time. He's been reviewing movies on YouTube for like 10 plus years. And I think it really takes a lot to be in that seat where you are one of the most watched YouTube movie critics and say, I'm going to make a movie. Because I feel like you are going to be under fire of some of the hottest criticism that's ever existed. 100%. So I am going out. If this movie, I hope this movie gets a theatrical release because I I will drive if I know it's going to be a small film, so I will drive to Salt Lake City, which is like forty five minutes away, to go check it out to support his film. He has been a a very important role role model in a sense to me because I feel like before I met you, Nate, and before I I got an opportunity to start this podcast with you, my only outlet to be able to digest film was watching him. So being able to watch his movies and watching him go from like really low budget um, videos to what he's doing now, it's it's commendable. And I'm excited to see what he does. I think he has done a really good job at understanding film and understanding what makes people tick. I love that he kind of stepped away from film criticism because he realized, you know what, making films is hard. And um, I want to focus on pushing that in. I by no means have any have any aspirations of becoming a director. I I don't, but at the same time like his story has been so endearing to watch that you I just can't help but to root for the guy to hopefully wow us with, with Shelby Oaks. Um I don't know much about the movie other than it's like a supernatural horror film, but I'm really excited just to see what after years of years of film analysis, I'm excited to see what he can come up with. Yeah, I it it'll be really interesting to see uh uh, how it turns out and I'm hopeful that it's really great and I hope that it gets a good response I think he's got enough people who really love him that it'll do well even if it's just on streaming uh, but I hope that I hope that it does uh, get recognition and that people really enjoy it because Chris seems like a really charming guy uh, also a fellow Ohio dude um, so I you know I'm, I'm always whenever uh, whenever somebody like that says hey I want to go for it I want to make something like i'm always gonna root for them it doesn't matter the last thing i just want to add about that conversation is i know i am nowhere near in his spectrum but watching someone like chris duckman make a film it feels like 
he's one of us, you know, he's like the nerdy kid that grew up watching movies and he just happened to knew how to work, work it out where he can make his own. But, you know, this is not a Spielberg story. This is not a, a Christopher Nolan story where they're like, you know, and I'm sure they have their story, but Chris Duggan feels like he's one of us, which is why I'm rooting for him so hard. Yes, 100% I agree. He feels like one of the average Joes that's going out of the way to make something because he's passionate about it, and you got to root for people like that. So, I don't know much about the plot, and I kind of like that I don't, So I'm, but I just wanted to give Chris a shout-out because I feel like we need to support the average Joe trying to make something interesting. Apparently I'm his clone or something. <laughs> Wait, like, I'm not interviewing Chris? I guess not. Literally everyone on the internet that watches any of my YouTube comments, I got to get at least one that says, are you and Chris Stuckman related? <laughs> like every single time. It cracks me up. You do live like 10 minutes away from each other. That's true. Um, so really quickly, I wanted to give you... Uh, I wanted to give you two movies back-to-back really quick because I don't need to spend a whole lot of time on them. But uh, I love horror. No. And I love I love anything in the horror realm. No. And I always get excited for horror sequels. So I am very excited that in the same year I'm getting Scream 6 and Saw 10. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I, I honestly cannot... Like, I thought Scream 5 was good. I didn't think it was great. I think it's really difficult when you lose a legend like Wes Craven. I think it's really hard whenever you lose someone with that much pull. I think the first four Scream movies are phenomenal. I love all four of them. I thought five did a really good job. They tried a little too hard to shoehorn in the uh, legacy characters from the franchise. And I'm glad that most of them are not going to be in this new movie. I'm really happy about that. Like... Put these characters that you brought in in Scream 5 that are the new characters and base it around them. And also, like Evil Dead Rise, it's all taken place in downtown New York. Which I think there's something really scary about a mass killer coming after you in a really crowded city. So you're excited for um, um, Ghostface Takes Manhattan? Yes, I can't wait. Hopefully he actually does take Manhattan. Unlike the stupid Friday the 13th movie where Jason's only in New York for 10 minutes. I hate that (laughs) shit. Uh, And then Saw 10... Saw is my guilty pleasure franchise. Saw, I think what's funny about Saw to me, and have you seen any of them, Ray? Saw, I've seen the first three. Yeah, so I was someone growing up in a really conservative background that everyone told me that the Saw movies were like these evil torture porn pieces. And just last year, I watched all of them. And I can safely say that they are the stupidest soap opera type of movies I've ever watched in my life. Like, they don't scare me, they make me laugh. Like, almost every Saw movie, because, like, I'm sure you can tell from the first three movies, the last 20 minutes, they throw in, like, the craziest plot twists that make no sense. And I love it. They're like, oh, this has been getting dull. We're going to throw a random character and bring him back to life. (laughs) Like, they're so stupid. My favorite Saw movies are 2, 3, and 4. Really? I, I... I legitimately enjoyed the first one, and I thought two and three were cool, but I just got exhausted. (laughs) They get dumber and funnier. And, like, everyone hated Saw 3D. I thought it was one of the funniest movies I've ever watched. I laughed, like, the whole hour and a half. So Saw 10, I'm hoping it's the same creative team because they're dumb schlock that makes me laugh. 
If you take those movies seriously, I don't really know what to tell you. They're clearly not meant to be taken seriously. Uh, but I'm excited for it. I just thought I'd bring them both up. Well, that's cool. Um, maybe I... Gotta, gotta, gotta maybe bring up the horror bring up stuff. Those, um, maybe I need to check out the rest of the Scream movies. <laughs> I, th- dude, Scream is a phenomenal franchise. And I will tell... Like, I love them. I really like the first one. Don't get me wrong. I like the first Scream. I just... Scream is one of those franchises that I just stopped watching them for no other reason that I stopped watching them. But I actually enjoyed the first one. Well, and that's the thing. Wes Craven is one of the most clever filmmakers to ever live. And so the movies are always satire on the horror genre. Which is what makes them so entertaining that they poke fun of the genre that they exist in. Which is something I always really respect. That's uh, Scream and Saw. I had to bring them up because I love those franchises. Uh, But what else are you excited for? Well, Nate, it is not a proper year in film history for Ray without a little Nick Cage in his life. Oh, we're talking Renfield, aren't we? Oh my goodness, Renfield. That's why I told you at the beginning of the episode that I wanted to save it for the episode itself, because I didn't want to spend 30 seconds talking about Renfield. I watched the trailer yesterday for the first time, and I laughed the whole time. Also, like, don't get me wrong, I love me some Nick Cage, but Nicholas Holt, man, that kid's hilarious. He looks like he's going to do a great job. I also love whatever this lore is that they've brought in of, like, whatever he's taking to give himself these powers. Well, in the in the, in the the lore of Dracula, um, Dracula gives Renfield um, the ability. He tells him, did you ever see um, Dracula dead and loving it? No, I haven't. Oh, it, it's, it's like a... It's basically a spoof on Bram Stoker's Dracula with Leslie Nielsen as Dracula. Oh, yeah. Okay. I may have seen that when I was like 10 or 11. So he tells... So apparently he gives Renfield the ability... He lets Renfield um, take lives, but he's like, you will not take uh, big lives. You will take small lives like insects. So what he you see him eat is an insect. He, so he can eat insects. And obviously in the, mo- in the story of Bram Stoker, that's just like a... Oh, he's eating insects type of thing. But on this one, it looks like it gives him, like, superpowers. Oh, I know. It's hilarious. The fight sequences look super choreographed. The thing I'm going to be interested in, just from watching the trailer, how much of the movie are we thinking Nick Cage is actually going to be in? Yeah, I have a feeling that Nick Cage is not the focal point of it at all. No, because the trailer didn't seem to have a lot of him in it. And I also want to shout out quickly, too... Someone in the movie who I've really grown to enjoy over the past couple years is Aquafina. Yeah, she's done really well for herself. She's hilarious, and I'm really excited that she's in that movie. I think she provides really great comedic levity in whatever she's in. I really love that A24 movie she was in, The Farewell. I thought she was fantastic in it. I think that she's a really talented actress. And so when I saw her in the trailer, I was like, oh, this is going to be great. Like... And you know that even if, if Nick Cage is only in it for 15 minutes, you know the movie's still going to be fun. And I'm excited for it. Well, and I'm just re- looking up some of the stuff about the movie, and it looks like it's directed by Chris McKay, who also directed the Batman Lego movie. Interesting. Which, uh, uh, any of those Lego movies have been really entertaining, in my opinion. Yeah, they're, they're, they're funny. Um, I wonder if they're going to go for an... Oh, okay. I just looked it up. It, I was worried that it was going to be a PG-13, but I was like, this could... But it looks like it's an R-rated movie, which I think I'm... I think R-rated comedy is, when done properly, is so, like, 
amazing. So I'm excited. I know Nicolas Cage is funny. Um, I kind of hope he channels some of his Kiss of the Vampire. Yeah. In this. Me too. Um, and I love that it's a comedy. Like, because I feel like, I don't know, people are probably going to try to think like, oh, he's he's too silly. But Nicolas Cage, I feel like he finally found his, his niche over the, these past few years of what he's supposed to be, what he is understood for. I feel like he was a misunderstood actor for a long time. So I'm excited. Um, obviously, it looks like it's going to be very Nicholas Holt-centric, which I'm okay with. I love Nicholas Holt. Um, but I think they're going to have really good chemistry. And it looks hilarious. And if you haven't seen the trailer, go watch it because it, it looks amazing. I agree. Well, my next movie uh, is from a director that I always get excited whenever he makes a movie. And I'm very glad that he's stepping away from the big budget projects that he's been working on to go back to telling uh independent character or like independent films with great character writing and that's taika waititi's new film next goal wins oh i had no idea he had a new one coming out yeah so it's coming out this year and it stars none other than michael fassbender uh it's michael fassbender elizabeth moss and will arnett produced by andy circus what a and, cast. Yeah, and the movie is, it says, Dutch coach Thomas Rongen attempts the nearly impossible task of turning the American Samoa soccer team from losers to winners. That sounds incredible. Yeah, uh, and I'm like, I, I don't talk about it very much, but I'm a sucker for like heartwarming sports movies. Uh, I don't know why. I've always enjoyed them. And Taika, I feel like no matter what this movie is, his brand of humor is going to have to come through at some point. Well, and then when you have someone like Will Arnett, who we know for his comedic levity, and then Fassbender can be really funny. I mean, I don't know if, you, if you've seen Frank yet, but Fassbender can be really funny. I haven't. I really need to. I'm actually excited because a reoccurring character that's in all, almost all of Taika Waititi's movies, Rise Darby, is going to be in it. And he cracks me up in everything that he's in. What has he done with Taika? Uh, so he was in Hunt for the Wilder People. He was the guy that was kind of living out in the middle of Oh, nowhere. Bushman? Bushman? Yes. Yes. Uh, my favorite role that Rise Darby's done is in the, <laughs> in the Jim Carrey movie, Yes Man. When he's the one hosting the party and making everybody watch all the Harry Potter movies. Oh my gosh. Also, like, he was hilarious. Because he was the swear wolf as well, right? Yes. Yeah, I love that man. Yeah, that he's hilarious. He's also a voice in Arthur Christmas. <laughs> well, there's that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I really, I, I love Taika. I think, like, obviously, you know, he's got himself, uh, he sold his soul to Disney. So Christ only knows how many projects he's going to be doing for them. But like when the dude is doing a really independent character dramas, like Hunt for the Wilder People is one of my favorite movies I've ever seen. I love Jojo Rabbit. I love Boy. Like every single movie he's released has just been so incredible. And so knowing that he's getting back into like this type of storytelling gets me very excited. Oh yeah, me too. I had no idea he had a new film coming out, so this this makes me even more excited, especially hearing that cast and that concept. Not to mention, I know uh, I know you're someone who doesn't care about sports unless it's pertaining to uh, football or, as us Americans call it, soccer. Uh, and and so that's got that'll be cool to see. And obviously, you know, Taika always does a great job with like films that are really cultural culturally specific. Uh, like boy really focused on where he grew up in New Zealand. And I think he always pays really great homage to uh, wherever he's focusing his film. 
So I think like seeing a film about American Samoa soccer play Samoan soccer players will be really cool. That's gonna be cool. Yeah, um, I'm excited. Also, like there has been a huge craze of, of football um, over in like some of these Pacific islands. Um, uh, Australia had a solid um, run in the World Cup, so they're definitely gonna capitalize a little bit on that uh, on that you know craze going on. So I'm excited. 100%. So, yeah, I just wanted to mention that because I love Taika. Um, so, you know, on, on that note, on, on the sillier on the, on the sillier note, um, a movie that I wanted to bring up that um, I'm really excited to watch, and it's coming out real soon, so this is, I'm not going to have to wait too long for this one. I have committed my entire group of friends of going to the theaters and watch with me on opening day, and that is the true compelling story of Cocaine Bear. Ah, uh, dude. So Jess and I went to the theater to see the menu and that trailer was before the menu and I and I was like, I'm sold. I want to see this really bad. <laughs> and I want to see it in theaters. I'm not going to do the whole like, oh, wait till streaming. No, I want to see this in theaters. Yeah, the only thing that makes me a little hesitant about it, unfortunately, is that Elizabeth Banks is directing it and so far her track record as a director has not been the greatest. I'm I'm interested what else she's directed. Yeah, I got to pull it up, but I know that whatever her last film was that came out was a flop. Um it was oh, it was the it was the Charlie's Angels reboot with Kristen Stewart. Ooh, yeah, that is rough. And she also directed Pitch Perfect 2 or 3, one of the sequels, and she also directed a segment on Movie 43. So her, her her track record has not been the greatest, but I do think like there isn't. I think other than Carrie Russell and uh, Ray, poor Ray Liotta, this is probably going to be one of the last movies that he was in before he passed away. <laughs> um, no, he actually has one, two, three. He has four more after Cocaine Bear. Oh, thank goodness! Could you imagine this being the one that comes out? <laughs> Like, this is the movie I'm going to be remembered for. <laughs> yeah, see, like, at least Anton Yelchin went out with a banger. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, I uh, I think it'll be stupid. And that's all we want from a movie about a bear that did a bunch of cocaine. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, this is a movie that I'm going solely because I want to get a bunch of people together and just laugh. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I, I, I wish I lived in Utah because this would be one I'd love to go see with you. Oh, it would be it would be amazing. Um, but yeah, like, um, I mean, what can I say about a movie titled Cocaine Bear? It <laughs> already doesn't give the plot. Exactly. Well, but I just wanted to bring it up because I think it's you know just so people know we don't take ourselves too seriously over here at the Film Monsters podcast. No, we like all kinds of movies. We watch all kinds of stuff. I mean, did anybody think I was gonna love Puss in Boots as much as uh, as much as I ended up do- loving it? No. But sometimes you're surprised by things. Well, my next movie is one that, Ray, you'll probably poke fun at me a little bit, but I really don't care. Uh, as a lot of you out there are very well... Um, um, Nate, I just brought up Cocaine Bear. The bar has been established. Nah, that makes sense. That makes sense. As some of you may or may not know, I don't know how much I've put this out there about myself on the internet. Uh, I am a Disney fanatic. Uh... In a way that, like, I'm not, like, so obsessed, but I love Disney. I travel to the Disney parks quite frequently, and I have a lot of fun with that. Uh, And I am an obsessive about the Haunted Mansion. 
So I cannot wait to see the Disney Haunted Mansion movie this year. Who's directing it? Uh, so it's a director named Justin Simeon. Uh, I'm. That's where I'm conflicted because Disney, I will forever hold it over your heads that you did not give this property to Guillermo del Toro, who literally has an entire wing of his house dedicated to this ride. And I'm also a little scared that one of the main characters is... Um, Oh, why my friend Jared Leto? Because I'm not a big Jared Leto fan, but Owen Wilson is in this movie. Uh, I it's it scares me because this is a beloved Disney property, and the last time that this thing was tried to be tackled was that Eddie Murphy movie, and it was horrible. Oh no! It was just like it was one of the worst things I've ever watched. I hated it, and. I'm going to try and stay optimistic. I don't have a lot of hope, but I just wanted to mention it because I'm a Disney fan. I want to watch this movie. The Haunted Mansion. You catch me catch me at your local Columbus, Ohio theater opening weekend in my full Haunted Mansion getup. <laughs> have you ever ridden that oh, ride? Oh, man. Um, have I? Yes. So, you know... When you first go in and you ride in that elevator and there's those stretching portraits at the beginning, I have those in my stairway of my house. Oh, of course you do. <laughs> they're they're as they're as tall as me. My my as we all as we all know, you're eight eleven. That's true. I'm eight eleven. Uh, I have a lot of haunted mansion stuff in my house. I'm not ashamed. <laughs> so yeah, haunted mansion. That's my next pick. Hey, you know what? We all gotta have our thing. Um. So for my next pick, I'm gonna also pull a double feature on you, because I don't I don't know Jack about either one, but it's Wes Anderson. So of course I'm excited for Asteroid City and the wonderful story of Henry Sugar. Are they both supposed to come out next year? Because what an insane thing for Wes. That's they're both slated for 2023. That's nuts. I knew Asteroid City was coming out next year, but I didn't know about the other one. But goddamn, if I am not excited to see Tom Hanks in a Wes Anderson movie. And I'm excited to see Benedict Cumberbatch and Ray Fiennes on the Wes Anderson movie. Yeah, and uh, Margot, Margot Robbie. Like, I, th- the thing is, like, Wes can do whatever he wants. It doesn't really matter. And also, the Asteroid City plot sounds amazing. Well, and it's co-written by, um, who is it? It's co-written by... Roman Coppola. Oh, yeah, which uh, Roman Coppola directed one of my least favorite A24 movies. <laughs> I mean, I never said he wasn't perfect. Did you see A Glimpse into the Mind of Charles Swan III? It is horrible. <laughs> uh, I honestly ha- almost turned it off and was like, wait, I'm doing this for my first episode of my A24 series on YouTube. I have to watch it. Can you imagine you just get up and you're like, so this movie I turned off. Yeah, Thanks that's I, there has been, <laughs> since I started watching A24's catalog from start to finish, there's like five movies in their catalog that I almost did that with. But I was like, no, I got to stick it out and finish them. Um, but yeah, like Wes Anderson, I will always go watch Wes Anderson, whatever he does. Um, so of course I'm excited. So I'm excited for the double, for the double feature that he hopefully will be putting out later this year. What would be really awesome is if they came out the same day. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, one of them is going directly to Netflix, I think. Oh, that's... Wow, that's wild for Wes. I would never see... That's... I doubt that's Asteroid City, because I feel like... The, no. Yeah. No, Henry Sugar Henry Sugar is going yeah. to Netflix. I was going to say, a Tom Hanks movie? Ain't no way. Tom's like, dude, if I'm going to be in a Wes Anderson movie, you're putting this shit in the theater. I don't know. I mean, didn't... Um, he, I, but speaking of 
Tom Hanks, he's got a, he's got a few coming out too, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, he had one that just came out. I can't remember. It's called something about Otto. Oh, like the grumpy guy. Yeah, which like Tom Hanks is in those like uh, grandpa's grandpa's cigar smoking party movies now. He's 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 just like I want to do a movie that I can sit most of the time. <laughs> Look, he he saw Robert De Niro do um, the grandpa movie, the dirty grandpa. He's like, you know what? He's onto something. Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm excited for both Wes Anderson movies. I'm right there with you. I cannot wait for those. Um, yeah, I'm excited. Again, I don't know much about him other than it's Wes Anderson and I'm there. It's, I, I completely agree. Well, I know you and I both love A24. Uh, and last night, I actually saw two A24 trailers to movies I knew nothing about that both of them look great, and I'm very excited to see both of them. And I'll just quickly mention them, because I don't really know much about them other than the trailers I saw. But the first one was called Showing Up from director Kelly Reichard. And it was a movie starring Michelle Williams about this like struggling artist just trying to find her way in the world. And if any of you out there know anything about me, character dramas, like I'm a sucker for them. It also looked really funny. I'm excited about it. And then there was this trailer to a foreign film produced by A24 called Close about these two like 13 or 14 year old kids in high school that like they're super close friends. They love each other. They spend all their time together and people at school start calling them gay and start treating them really horribly. And it like throws like a wrench in their relationship and it looked really beautiful and like it was going to be a really... Uh, intense movie, and A24 just keeps coming out with the bangers. Keep hitting me with those character dramas. I'm all for it. So I saw both of those trailers last night, and I thought they both looked great, so I thought I would mention them on here. Yeah, I'm excited. A24 is one of the... Well, in A24, we've talked about our frustration that A24 sometimes doesn't promote the movies the way that they probably should be. So I'm excited. Um, Hopefully they don't get dumped in some random streaming service and never talked about. Like that Causeway movie with Jennifer Lawrence. Like, don't just dump shit on streaming. That Funny Pages movie that came out this year. Like, you guys need to put some more faith in your movies because they're all really good. I mean, you could have theatrically released both of those over bodies, bodies, bodies bullshit. Like, I, I throw that on a streaming service. Kids are the ones watching that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> It's is it yeah. is it the kids that are wrong? Yeah, they're yeah, they are. Fuck them fuck them kids. Um uh, uh yeah, so what else you got for me? <laughs> yeah, 19- Calling us that we we were born in the nineteen hundreds. Right, what do you got for me up next? Um I think the next one I wanna bring up, um and you know, I I couldn't I would be remiss if I didn't talk about this movie because we earlier were talking about Disney movies. And I'm actually pretty excited to watch um, the Peter Pan and Wendy directed by David Lowry. This was actually on my list to talk about, so I'm really glad you brought it up. Peter Pan was one of my favorite animated movies as a very young kid. Obviously, I am very well aware as to how problematic the stuff with the Native American characters are in that movie now. Uh, But it is a movie that meant a lot to me as a child. I think it really gives you that optimism about youth and growing up and there's there's something about that property that is so amazing that I feel like every director that has tried to 
do it over the years again, just can't get the tone right. So I'm hoping David Lowry, with how amazing of a job he does with these fantastical worlds, is able to give us something really special. Well, and then, um, I, you know, David Lowry, it's interesting because out of my favorite, like, adaptation like these like live action adaptations that disney has done most of them haven't been great but i unapologetically really like pete's dragon so i know that he has the chops to do some really cool stuff with that with the source material that disney gives him it's just how much does disney let him do and that's what i think a lot of it's going to be because this is a really beloved property and for some reason disney doesn't want anyone to take any creative liberties with any of their properties and uh, they're, they're just like, oh, stick to the source material completely. And I, I don't know. I think if you give David Lowry the ability to do what he wants to do, it'll be something really special. I hope that they give him, I hope that he's proved himself, you know, competent enough. I mean, he obviously has to, the people that enjoy his films, but I feel like Disney still isn't giving him everything he needs. So I hope that they finally get off their high horse and let him do what he's supposed to. Yeah, I 100% agree with you on that. A thousand, thousand percent. Um, well, I quickly want to mention another A24 movie. And this is supposedly slated for this year, but I don't know if it's going to come out. And the reason why I wanted to mention it is because I am obviously a huge fan of indie sad girl music. <laughs> and this is a movie uh, directed by... Jane Schoenbrunn, who directed a movie from this year that I really loved called We're All Going to the World's Fair, that was a really, like, quiet analog horror movie that was really unlike anything I'd ever seen. And so Jane has a movie coming out with A24 called I Saw the TV Glow. And the reason why I said it's I'm a fan of sad, sad girl music is two of the lead characters are Phoebe Bridgers and, there it is. and Lindsay Jordan from the band Snail Mail and also Fred Durst from Limp Bizkit. That's a so, good turn. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, and it's produced by Emma Stone. And so I'm really excited. I, I Like, there's barely even a plot description other than it's about two girls who become obsessed with some tv series and then it gets canceled and their lives start to like blow up into this insanity and so to me that's enough to like draw me in like that we're all going to the world's fair movie that uh jane schoenbrunn directed jane is a transgender woman who really like you could tell with a lot of the themes in that film had a lot to do with identity and like understanding your identity. And it came through really well in that movie. And so I'm really excited that with the success of that, that a 24 is giving Jane the chance to put something else out there. And I'm really excited for it. That should be cool then. I'm, I'll be excited to check that out. Yeah. I, I, uh, I'm really looking forward to it. So yeah, I just wanted to mention that one quickly. That's all my a 24 ones. All the ones that I have left are going to be bigger budget movies that I'm excited for. <laughs> There's all my indie stuff. I have, you know, I just have a kind of a page open here and I'm scrolling through it. Um, one of the ones that I'm really excited for, um, and that one, I only have to wait about a month longer. Um, and, you know, I'm an apologist for this man, and... It's M. Night Shyamalan! Yes! <laughs> I knew it was coming! I actually... So, I actually have a bone to pick with this movie after you tell everyone what it's about. Well, Knock at the or Cabin? Knock at the Cabin? Yes. 
So here's my bone to pick. I'm a huge book nerd and I love to read books. This is based off of a book from an author that I really love named Paul Tremblay. And is he, it really? Yes, and he is incredibly talented. He writes amazing books. Really just an incredible author. And they have not marketed that it's based on his book at all. I had no idea it was based on a book. Yes, and I'm really upset because he's so talented. His work does not get enough exposure. I think I've seen one poster that it was like in the bottom. Uh, but he has a book called The Cabin at the End of the World. And all these characters and the themes of the movie are based directly off of that. And so I wish that they would give him some credit. He doesn't seem to be like super upset about it on the internet. But like... Guys, if you're going to make a movie based on somebody's work, shout them out. Like, give them some credit for it. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I guess I had no clue it was based on the book. But I saw the trailer for the very first time last night, and it looks awesome. It looks cool. Like, oh yeah, there it is. Um, the cabin at the end of the world. Yeah, it looks cool. Like, um, I'm really, I'm really excited. I always enjoy, I will always, I will always give Shyamalan a shot because... I believe Shyamalan has his heart in the right place. He really is trying to make um, original stories. The execution sometimes isn't the best, um, but he's always trying to to do really, really cool concepts that we're not seeing. And I think one of the reasons why I'm also so excited is because Shyamalan is not the sole screenplay writer in this one. He, he's actually getting help from other people. Same also as a producer. He's not the sole producer, which what the reason why I, I like that is because I think we've discussed that Shyamalan is great when he's not putting on like 3,000 different hats. I completely agree with that. His best, his best work is when he's not trying to take on everything by himself. Exactly. It's like let, let loose a little bit. Let other people take over some stuff. Also, Dave Batista's character has such a unique look in that movie. Dave Batista, I'm excited. I'm actually excited to see um, Rupert Grint as well. So am I. Um, I think he did a great job on the show Servant. So I'm excited to see him step out of just the same. Like I'm, ex- I'm, I'm happy when I see these like Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings um, actors do other more unique works. Um, Because I feel like they get pigeonholed. So I'm excited to see Rupert Grant um, come out more. So, yeah, um, I mean, there's nothing much that I can say. I mean, the movie comes out literally in a month. And I will will always give independent and unique writers a chance. Even if the execution isn't great. Like, I know people um, hate it on old. um, And, yeah, it had its flaws. But at the same time, it's like, it was a cool concept. Just the execution was a little messy. Man, scored by mid-sized sedan? (laughs) <laughs> I can't believe I can't believe it. That makes me want to watch this movie even more. He's actually Midsize Dan actually has a cameo in it. I can't that movie. I I got to say that movie was some some dumb fun schlock. That was that's what I would say about old. I, what I was disappointed me about old was like the ending was really cool. I liked the reveal, but I was like god, everybody is hamming up their performance so much in this movie. Like I That's what take I'm saying. It's like seriously. old was a cool concept done very messily. But yeah, I don't have much else to add about Knock at the Cabin other than I'm excited to watch it. Yes, I'm going to watch it as well. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Well, I don't have too many more. I think I've got like 3 more that maybe I want to talk about, three or four. Um, But this next one I want to bring up is one that I wouldn't say that I'm excited for. I'm cautiously optimistic, and that is the 
David Gordon Green remake of The Exorcist. Oh. Yeah, uh, with how I was kind of hit or miss with those Halloween remakes, I don't know how to feel about someone trying to take on literally one of the greatest horror properties that's ever existed. I'm hoping that it's not like exactly a copy and paste of the original. Like, I don't want that. Like, do something new. And then the other thing that scares me is Mr. Jason Blum is attached to it. And Jason Blum is also a very hit or miss producer for me. Uh, Some of his movies are great and some of them are trash. But as someone who loves horror, I'm hopeful. Yeah. I mean, I'll still give it a chance, but it might not be. That's a rough one to take on. Like, did you do you really want to try to do that like the exorcist is probably considered one of the greatest horror films of all time that would be like someone coming out and saying i'm gonna remake the shining like do you really want to remake a movie that is a pinnacle classic i don't think so no you're really putting a target on your back on that one yeah uh like i said cautiously optimistic because here's the thing you can end up with a fire starter or with a suspiria Exactly. It just depends. And and I hope that David Gordon Green goes into this one a little bit more like he did with Halloween Ends, where he's like, okay, fuck the source material, fuck all that. I want to bring my own unique ideas to this project. And I hope that he does that. Or it could stick to the source material, because I've heard that The Exorcist, the book, has a lot, like, they left out so much out of the book on that movie. Well, and it looks like the plot description on Letterboxd says that it's going to deal with Reagan's daughter, which that's sticking a little... Like, that makes it feel like it's more of a sequel to the original, but hopefully... Which might be the smart thing to do. But maybe do it in the style of Evil Dead 2013, where you keep it more of, like, a spiritual sequel, less of a direct thing. Like, I don't want it to be... Don't make it Pazuzu again. We've already been there. Do something new. Which might have the potential to piss off a lot of people, but... I think he he proved that he doesn't care about that. (laughs) Clearly, which is fine because I loved Halloween Ends. I'm an unapologetic lover of Halloween Ends. So, um, but yeah, so The Exorcist, I'm cautiously optimistic. So for for my next one then, I know I am, I have no idea. This could have the potential to be terrible. This could be, have the potential to be great. Um, But I think this... This, this young man has proven himself to be competent enough that I'm excited to see Timothy Charlemagne as Willy Wonka. Yeah, I am too. I think uh, I, I've really grown uh, accustomed to Mr. Charlemagne. I think that he has proved himself as an actor. And it, from what I remember, there's some really incredible talent surrounded him in this movie. I think Sally Hawkins is in it, um, Olivia Coleman, Rowan Adkinson, Mr. Bean himself. A uh, lot of really great talent involved. It'll just be interesting, like... Do you think they'll keep it more of like a straightforward narrative or do you think they'll actually try to add music into it? Well, it says it's a musical. Now, see, that's awesome. If there's music in it, I'm there. And it, so, yeah, it, it looks pretty cool. And I mean, uh, oh, and it's the director of both Paddington's. Yep, uh, it'll be a masterpiece. You don't even have to say anything else. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I, both of the Paddington films are masterpieces in my Did they opinion. make you be, did they make you be want to be a better person? Yeah, it made Nick Cage smooch good. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I no, I this was also on my list. I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I with these types of things that are attached to existing properties, I'm always kind of like, mm. but with how much talent is attached to this one, 
hopefully it's good. Yeah, no, there's tons of talent, so I I am legitimately excited for it, especially seeing that it's the same the same director as the Paddington movies and Timothy Charlemagne, who I think when they originally announced Timothy Charlemagne, I was a little hesitant, but after having seen them on other films that have come out in the past couple of years, I'm like, no, he we're good. <laughs> well, my next movie is a movie that I think we're both very excited for. Uh, I cannot wait. Uh, and that is the sequel to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. That looks legitimately fun. Like, it looks like a great time. I And here's the only thing I will say. I'm a little scared that it's not the same directors as the first one. Ooh, that, that, that can be proven to be a little... I'm, yeah. I'm hoping that maybe they, you know, had something to do with it. Uh, they brought back a lot of the original cast, which is great. The animation still looks beautiful. I'm sure that they will hopefully approach it in a similar methodology. But I think Sp- Spider-Verse is probably one of my favorite Spider-Man movies. It's probably my favorite Spider-Man movie. It's just, I feel like it focused a lot more on the character of Spider-Man, and I liked, you know, I love Peter Parker. He was, Peter Parker was what got me into comic books, but I loved that they looked at Miles Morales. I think it was really cool to bring in a new character, that it's not like the same thing we're seeing over and over and over again. Also, Nate, you know why that one's my favorite one, right? Oh, why is it your favorite one? Because it has Nicolas Cage in it. Oh, of course. Of course, because it had Nicolas Cage in it. I thought you were going to say that it was because of the pig, the pig Spider-Man. He was a close second. Yeah, that it was it was just a fun movie. I loved it. I thought it was a lot of fun. I think all the voice actors in the original one were great. Uh, really looking forward to see what this one feels like. I'm just hoping that tonally it stays pretty consistent. I know Oscar Isaac's doing a voice in this, Jason Schwartzman, um, Brian Tyree Henry's back again. Uh, A lot of great, talented voice actors. I don't see Nicolas Cage's name on here, which bums me out a little bit, but, you know. He's playing, he's he's Dracula this year. Yeah, he's he's Renfield. No, he's Dracula, not Renfield. Renfield is Nicholas Holt. So yeah, that's all. Uh, Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. I'm excited. You know, um, believe it or not, um, I didn't think I would say this, but I am saying this. I'm really excited for um, Greta Gerwig's Barbie. That was another one on my list. I agree. I am very excited for that because also like Noah Baumbach being a co-writer, <laughs> like I, I just... What is this movie going to be? I feel like if they go at it through a really satirical lens, that it'll be really great. I hope it's not just like a straightforward, like, uh, we're just going to do the same thing that we would do in any type of these movies. I hope that they really, like, go for something unique and original. That's the thing, though. It's not just Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig. You also have Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling, who I love both of those so much. I love America Ferreira. Um... You know, and then Michael Sarah apparently is in it. Um, you have Will Ferrell. Like, it's also riddled with a lot of a lot of talent. Yeah, I I agree. I think there's a lot of talented people involved. I love Mr. Ryan Gosling. Uh, I'm I'm excited to see him doing things again, and I hope that this one's a lot of fun. I feel like it will be. Uh, but I'm right there with you. I'm really excited about this one. I hope that uh, Miss Gerwig pulls it off. So. 
Yeah, I don't have much to say on there. I'm excited about it. Well, I know one of the ones I stole from you, and that's going to be this one right here, and that is Mr. Denis Villeneuve's Dune Part 2. That was that was one out of the two that I had left. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I knew you were going to talk about that one. That was the last one I wanted to talk about. I did not watch Dune until the first time last year. I uh, was obsessed with it. I cannot wait. And also, as Ray has mentioned multiple times, uh, poking fun at me, it stars uh miss florence Pugh, who i would watch anything that she is in and i am very excited for this movie i think that the first one was flawless i thought it was an amazing science fiction film and i'm excited to see the story completed yeah i'm really excited i think villeneuve uh, you know I, I i read the book dune i don't know if you've read the book i haven't it's been on my list to read for a while it's he did as good of a job as we could have had um he obviously, obviously, just like any adaptation, you had to cut some stuff out and add some stuff. And I think he did as much as he could to stay as faithful as possible to, to the novel. So I'm, I, I'm excited um, to see how it's going to pan out as well. Yeah, that's, uh, I can't wait for it. I'm really excited. And I just wanted to mention it real quick. Yeah, no, I think we're all excited. Um, so I want to end, I want to end on, on one last one. Uh, and, and this is going to close the cycle that I opened at the beginning of, um, you know, of Mr. Joaquin Phoenix, cause he is working with Ridley Scott to do a historical drama on Napoleon. Interesting. And he is pulling, he is playing Napoleon Bonaparte. Um, it's being directed by, by Ridley Scott, who, you know, however you feel about Ridley Scott, I think he's been really good. Um, he's really good with those like epic historical stuff that he does. Um, so I, I really, I really enjoy the stuff that he's done. I know Kingdom of Heaven got a bad, a bad rep, but I really enjoy Kingdom of Heaven. So I think, um, I'm really excited to see Joaquin Phoenix and Ridley Scott team up and then, you know, him playing Napoleon, which we all know Napoleon isn't the nicest person and Joaquin Phoenix is really good at playing a jerk. Did you say that he has a short fuse? A little bit. (laughs) (laughs) We're idiots. Uh, We do it. We do it for the laughs. We do this for the laughs. Hey, so is Joaquin Phoenix just going to play every historical figure? Didn't he play Jesus a couple years ago? Yeah, which I still need to see that. <laughs> yeah, he's he's just like he's like going down the line. I can't wait till he tries to outdo DDL and play uh, play Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I'm I'm excited to to see it. You know, I love I love Joaquin Phoenix, obviously, and I I don't dislike um, really Scott. I think he has he has had some some you know duds, but I, I mostly really enjoy him and. You know, between Bo is Afraid and Napoleon, I'm excited to see, to have a, a double, double feature year for Joaquin Phoenix. I'd rather see uh, Joaquin Phoenix play like a talking xenomorph. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, like just in the costume doing his, doing his regular Joaquin. No, I want him to play his character from her as a xenomorph. Oh, God. <laughs> That's a movie I would pay... I would pay thousands of dollars to watch Joaquin Phoenix in like the most quiet and collected voice play a xenomorph. Just like the friendliest xenomorph. <laughs> oh no, I'm just uh, I'm just feeling a little bit lonely. I just want to eat people. I'll do you one better though. <laughs> him yeah. being um him being uh Theodore Twombly from her but has sudden bursts of last laughters like Arthur Fleck on Joker. <laughs> Oh my god! 
<laughs> that is a movie I would pay thousands of dollars to watch. So, yeah. So, Napoleon, directed by by Ridley Scott with the talent of Joaquin Phoenix. They're saying it's going to be a little long. <laughs> so there, uh, there's our list of the movies that we're the most excited to see in 2023. Uh, I feel like we covered a wide array of genres and topics. Yeah, and movies that I had even no clue that were coming out. Excited. I'm excited. Um, I feel like I'm very prepared for this year. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm really glad that we were able to cover the movies that we wanted to cover and uh yeah i'm really excited about it so i wanted to quickly mention because you know ray and i are excited about the year we were talking about those movies and our last couple of episodes we talked about our favorite films of 2022 and i saw a lot of people on twitter and online talking about this and they were asking what their favorite films of the decade were so far so what i thought would be fun is if in the next episode, Ray and I talk about the years 2020 and 2021, and we give our top five favorite movies from both of those years, uh, just because I thought it would be fun to see where we line up. Because I know that like we were our top five list, at least a couple of the movies aligned really close, so I'll be really cool to see where we end up uh, as far as those other years are concerned. Yeah, that w- that's going to be cool. I'm excited to to check that out yeah i i always find it really interesting because i think it's cool when we have a lot of overlap but i also think it's cool when we don't have a lot of overlap because in those type of circumstances you've opened me up to watch a lot of uh movies that i would never have even thought to have checked out which i'm hoping uh is the case for this as well so we're doing our top five of both years yep top five of 2020 and our top five of 2021 i'm excited to hear you talk about all the all the schlockiness that happened in those years. The plague years, if you will. I feel like 2020 is such a weird year, but there were some really interesting films released that year that I don't think enough people talk about. So we're excited to talk about that. I am branding the episode right now as uh, films from the plague years. Yeah, films. That's honestly 100% what it should be called. Well, that's what we're calling it. I'm, I'm putting my foot down. Films of the plague years. Films of the plague years, yes. And obviously 2022 was, I would say, almost like a renaissance for film. So many incredible yeah. so many incredible movies were released in 2022. I feel like there was a lot of amazing films released in 2020 and 2021. No, there was, there was great stuff. There was legitimately great stuff. It's just people weren't paying attention like they should have. Exactly, especially 2020. I feel like there were so many movies that were really slept on that year. So I'll be really excited to discuss that. Uh, as per usual, if you want to follow us on Instagram over at the Film Monsters Podcast, uh, you can see updates about our episodes that are coming up. Get all the information you need about those. We're obviously available on all major streaming platforms, or I try to get us on as many as we possibly can. And then obviously you can follow Ray and I on uh, at Analog C and at My Exit Unfair. As always, we really appreciate you guys for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye!